Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. All right, what's up, what's up? It is GC Live, Wes Mitchell. I uh, will be joined shortly by Chris Clark. He is finishing up a live spot on 107.5, but wanted to go ahead and get the show rolling here. As we said, uh, GC Live, and I, I was actually getting a last little bit of um, clips ready that I'm going to play for you uh, today on the show as we continue to break down this South Carolina versus Vanderbilt matchup and again welcome into the show we are live YouTube Facebook Twitter and of course after the show we put the recording on all the major podcast platforms so wherever you are joining us from we do appreciate it and um, obviously we'd love if you could catch us on YouTube live uh, today again at 1 30 most of the time it's more like two o'clock but that way we can interact and talk to you as we do the show. I see some folks getting in already. Uh, Today, we're really going to be diving into Vanderbilt and sort of going ahead and getting into some key matchups here, what we've seen from Vanderbilt so far. Obviously, both teams sitting at 0-2, South Carolina at 0-2, Vanderbilt at 0-2, and sort of how both teams have gotten to that point. There, There are some similarities with this Vanderbilt team as far as to South Carolina, but then there are also some ways that um, it's been different in how they've both gotten to 0-2. But, all right, so Vanderbilt, Derek Mason talking earlier this week about his team. Obviously, Will Muschamp previewed South Carolina earlier this week. And um, both teams really at that position where they are fighting for a win and, and just getting back into the momentum of feeling what a win feels like. You know, I, I think – when you look at how last year ended and then how this year has started, that that just feeling of waking up Sunday as a winner has been gone, you know, for this group dating back to last year. So, uh, you know, I, I think – I don't know if finding a way to win is necessarily the way to put it, but it seems like good things happen when teams believe they're going to win. And uh, for South Carolina, that feeling has just not happened uh, lately. So, all right, we're going to bring in Chris Clark. He is joining me as well. Chris, uh, fresh off of a 107.5 live hit. Chris, um, are you in a better mood now than you were earlier? Oh, I'm in a great mood all the time, man. Great mood all the time. Yeah, just got done talking to Jay and Pearson on the halftime show. 
talking some Gamecock football. And uh, so I apologize to the people that I was late. So you can send your letters of regret and complaint to Pearson Fowler and Jay Phillips, 107.5. Yeah, dude, there was like 10 people who said they were leaving because you weren't on here. So I, I guess they didn't. They didn't want to hear from me, so that's on you. But, um, <laughs> dude, I, I've started to dive into this Vanderbilt team and, and what South Carolina is up against. But first, I did want to sort of – we talked a little bit of big picture and, you know, yesterday. And then, one, you know, one of the first comments on here, other than our usual folks getting in and saying what's up, um, from David on Facebook, brings up Muschamp's buyout and says Muschamp needs to go. And – so I've been sort of, I would say, marinating on everything that's happened so far um, because people have asked me, hey, what, what's your take? What do you think should happen? What, what are your big picture thoughts? And I've sort of ignored that question to this point because I, I didn't really know exactly what to say. But then the more I think about it, Chris, the more – I go back to a conversation we had probably on air, probably on the podcast, but definitely off air, definitely um, just chatting on the phone last year. And that was when the decision was made to bring in Mike Bobo to make offensive changes um, to sort of completely restart the offensive scheme and for Ray Tanner to double down with support of Will Muschamp. So my point being, whether you're a fan who agrees with that decision last year or not, that decision has been made. And you said, look, we're going to stick with Muschamp. We're going to let him make offensive changes, and we're going to try to keep this recruiting class together, talking about the one with Marshawn Lloyd, Jordan Birch, Luke Doty, and those guys in it, right? Well, once you make that decision, you can't pull the plug after two games <laughs> yeah. without at least letting this thing play out and see what happens. And I even said, I think I said this on 107.5 last year, You once you make that decision, now add in all the COVID stuff, all you know, everything that this team is having to go through off the field as far as that is concerned. I even said you kind of have to give them two years to really let this offensive scheme settle in, to let Mike Bobo put his stamp on the offense, and to actually sort of let things settle in. So that is not what anybody that's not what anybody's saying fire, Muschamp, or whatever, wants to hear. But, again, once the decision was made at the end of last year, you got to roll Firing somebody two games into a season, when we all know these seasons have ups and downs and are a roller coaster ride anyway, does no one any good. You don't benefit from that. So, even if you're a a guy who's saying we have to change coaches this year. You at least have to roll through the next eight games and see what progress is made because I think you look, man, just because it's year five, there is roster turnover every year in college football anyway. 
Some years you have more, some years you have less. When we looked at the roster turnover with this team, no one was sitting here saying they're going to go eight and two anyway. So my point being, if you're going to take the patient approach, the sort of, I would say, stoops at Kentucky approach, let the guy build his foundation and see what happens and show patience, you have to stick with that throughout. It does no good two games in to all of a sudden, oh, now we're going to turn on the guy. If you were going to turn on the guy, you ha- you might as well have just done it at the end of last season. That's a great point. So I think what people, again, you remember what we were talking about with the end of 2018 until now being this one long, continuous thing. And why is that? Because they haven't broken the cycle with a big winning streak. Right, they 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 started off the year last year really bad against North Carolina. You had the Missouri game that was sort of a disaster, or was a disaster. You had the Georgia game. You had the first half of Florida, and then nope, it sort of goes down the tubes again. And so then you start this year zero two. So it's a great point that I understand people looking at it and going, "It's year five; it should be better." Understandable, and I understand if people certain fans wanting a change. You know, that's something that people are entitled to as well. It didn't happen. And so I think what people are so upset about is they, they're thinking that it should have already happened. We can't relitigate that right now. So it is a great point that even if, even if you're in the camp of a change should have happened. Okay. Understandable. And people have reasons and concerns as to why, but that decision did not happen. And so you're exactly right. You can't you can't bring in Mike Bobo and spend a million plus on a coordinator who really he's probably been the bright spot this year, in my opinion. He's certainly been a bright spot of this team given what he walked into. Mike Bobo didn't recruit. It really the only he brought Adam Prentice and Colin Hill. Everything else is he walked into the situation, right? And so he hasn't controlled people look at it and say, well, there should have been better receivers in year five. Yes, I totally agree. But Mike Bobo didn't inherit that. So if you are making that decision of we are going to save the recruiting class, we are going to let Muschamp make some coaching changes, including Mike Bobo, we're going to give him that path to try to improve. You definitely have to give more than two games, you know, because that was the decision that was made. And I'll agree with you, S. That that's something that's been told to me by several people is that you also give the next year too. I know people don't want to hear that, and if this season goes well, they're really doesn't go well. They're really not going to hear that. Want to hear it? But it is something that's been said. Like that is the line of thinking, and there is some sense to that if you're going to stick it out. You know? Yeah. And David uh, on Facebook here, I'll go ahead and just post the the comment here. I'm I'm not saying COVID is an excuse, and yes, I did mention COVID, but my point being we had that conversation last year before we even knew what literally knew what COVID nineteen was. I mean, yeah. when when you make the decision my point has nothing to do with COVID. My point is when you make the decision to bring in a new offensive coordinator, then you're you're at least and let's not take away the two the two years thing even, you're at least have to give them a chance to let this season play out. I mean, I just the I mean, if I post a if I post a story of ours on Facebook about an injury report, 
the comments, like three fourths of them are fire the guy, fire the guy, fire the guy. They have nothing to do even with, with what the article is about. So again, I just don't think you gather, I don't think you gain anything from, from that mindset. And you certainly don't gain anything from posting it all over Facebook and Twitter for recruits to read all the time, especially, you know, on Twitter. So uh, again, that's completely everybody's right to feel that way. But also, that doesn't mean I have to agree with it because I, I think it, you're going to need a time machine, basically. You're going to have to go back to the end of last year and make the decision then if that's really – and I get it. it maybe y'all would have made that decision then and disagree with the decision, and that's, that's fine. But point being, when you're right here, it's, you have to let these 10 games play out because really – a lot, a lot of these games, Chris, I think are going to be very similar to the two we just saw in that it does come down to five to ten plays. And now, granted, I think most of the time you can sort of get yourself in trouble there by saying, oh, it's, it's just, you know, we're just five plays away. Well, usually the more talented team makes those five plays, right? Like if throughout the course of a game, like if you played these games ten times, the more talented team is probably going to win seven or eight of them. I, I think, even if it is a close game. So, I, I don't know. That's that's my big picture take. Vanderbilt, though, very winnable game. Gets really into that must win category. I, I think because it's an opportunity where you are a more talented team, and I, I think even whether whether you agree with the recruiting rankings and all that stuff and stars or not, Chris, you pay more attention to this than I do because you do your star power thing every week. There there ain't many star power deals where South Carolina, when I glance at it, just has overwhelmingly better talent. Um, and a lot of times, at least on the rivals rankings, it's the opponent, I, I think. So what, at least as far as the rankings go, how, how does that compare this week, South Carolina against Vanderbilt? And then, I know some like like Adam Prentice. He's a fullback. He's not going to bring. I don't even know if he was ranked. Uh, he's not going to bring like a five star <laughs> ranking by his name. Nick Muse. I don't. I don't think was ranked. Um, right. You know. So it's not a perfect way to look at it, but it does give you an idea. It does, and and then you know there are a few questions of you know which guys are going to start at a couple positions. You know that third receiver spot. I mean. Will Josh Van start like he did against Florida, or will it be someone else? And you know, what's the safety and the defensive back, you know, configuration? So there, there are some questions there that can play into that. But in a general sense, um, you know, Zach Pickens, for example, has been, uh, you know, on sort of that rotation as opposed to starting the game. So that would give South Carolina another five-star guy. But yeah, when you look at it, I mean, so Vanderbilt, they've got. I think they had four, three, four stars on the roster, I believe. You know, Daniel Dawkins, who uh, is one of their offensive linemen. I think their center, he was a, he was a four-star guy. And then they've also got uh, a couple of linebackers in Anthony uh, Origi and Austin Origi, who are also four-star guys. But really, man, there's, um, you know, it, it's – they're, for the most part, three-star, two-star guys. South Carolina's got some of those too. But when you are looking at it on paper – you know, South Carolina certainly looks like the more talented team. And I think, you know, you look at Vanderbilt's first two games and South Carolina's first two games. If you do sort of the star power comparisons between those, you know, Tennessee had more, um, I think. Uh, Florida certainly had more. 
when you look at the starters and the depth. Um, and Vanderbilt against LSU and against Texas A&M was on the, on the flip side of that coin. So stacking those two up, South Carolina does have the on-paper, you know, advantage in terms of recruiting rankings. And that, uh, you know, that, that's something obviously doesn't always mean everything, but at least worth taking a look at and considering going into this game. So I've, I've watched a little bit, I'm going to be honest, not as much as I had wanted to at this point. I've watched a little bit of Vandy and LSU this past week. And, you know, obviously listen to Muschamp Tuesday, listen to a little bit of Derek Mason from earlier this week as well. If y'all want to hear the complete Derek Mason uh you know, press conference, Zoom deal. It is on our YouTube, so youtube.com slash Gamecock Central. I just posted that up right before we went on the air. But Mason, and like I said to start, man, they've had some similar problems to South Carolina in some ways, but then some some different reasons that they've struggled. Uh, He seems okay with their running game. I think passing game, they haven't gotten a lot out of it yet. They start a freshman in Ken Sills. Looking at his numbers, Chris, uh, 4.9 yards per attempt in the passing game, two two touchdowns to four interceptions. He's completing 57.4% of his passes. So you're talking about throwing a freshman, you know, to the Wolves basically out there. And, and I think they've been happy with his poise, but it's just not easy to be a freshman um, being thrown right into the mix without even, you know, without even having – a, a warm-up type game against a lesser opponent. So, uh, actually, I'm, I've got Derek Mason. He, much like Muschamp, he, he gave a little rundown of where his team is right now. So, I'm going to play this little quick clip right now that give everybody an idea sort of of where their head is right now. And it sounds like they've, like I said, I haven't, I haven't watched all of their first two games. They've really struggled in the field goal kicking department, um, which if it does end up being a potentially co- close game, Parker White, man, talk about a bright spot. This guy has been outstanding so far. So here's uh, Derek Mason earlier this week, uh, his Vandy uh, press conference. You know, as I look at, uh, you know, where we stand right now, I mean, I think in all three phases, um, and there are, you know, areas of improvement that we're, we're, we're looking to bolster a little bit uh, offensively. Uh, when I look at us, uh, I say – you know our running game looks to be strong, um, and we need to. We're 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 actively working on you know man pushing uh, like the envelope you know offensively man because we need um, and production uh, in the pass game and that's going to be important for us as we uh, move forward. Um, also, you know, I mean, today you know hitting the grass, just working on uh, you know. Uh, on-field, in-player communication defensively, you know, all the way around. And I thought guys communicated well. I mean, I thought they, um, you know, worked together. Man, we had, you know, been some competitive periods where I had an opportunity to see, you know, Russian coverage work together. And, you know, it was just good to see the energy out there. But, again, it's about efficiency. And so, I mean, we need to improve in that area when we talk about, you know, Russian coverage as well as tackling. And then uh, on special teams, uh, I, I, I'm – I'm happy with what Harrison uh, is doing right now. Harrison's putting the ball well. Uh, Donovan Kaufman uh, looks to be our return guy. Man, he's he's pretty dynamic, and I think everybody's had a chance to see that. But uh, right now, especially field goal PAT, man, we just we just need some more production. And so today we had a chance to you know put the ball through the uprights. Uh, I put a, put a lot of pressure on. Uh, Pearson today and that was good it was good to see him respond and so that's really what we're looking for we're looking for the response 
and it's needed now. Uh, again, on a takeoff Tuesday of game week. That's Derek Mason, Vanderbilt head coach. Chris, I, I think, I mean, first of all, they're they're obviously another program and team right now that's just they got to feel like they're they're swimming right, like they're just trying to find some solid ground to stand on and, and get this season going. Nobody wants to start zero two. Um, Derek Mason, by all indications, a really good dude, really sharp guy, defensive mind. He probably has a tougher job than anybody in the SEC right now as far as being able to match up in, in all 10 games this year. But I look at it, man, he went on. I, I didn't play that part of the clip, obviously. He went on to really praise Colin Hill and his ability to manage this offense as a fifth-year guy, being under control. And and I think that that could be a major difference in this game is going to be Colin Hill, the poise, the understanding of everything they're trying to do offensively versus a freshman in Ken Sills on the Vanderbilt side. And uh, I think anytime you have the much more proven quarterback, that that gives you a big advantage. Yeah, it does. Like you said, tough, tough situation for Seals because it's not like he's going to be absolutely surrounded by playmakers. You know, I think what they've done there is to try to accentuate what he can do and try to make it easier on him. You know, they'll run a spread, you know, with three receivers. They'll play an H-back. They'll run some pistol. By the way, their offensive coordinator, Todd Fitch, who spent uh, a few years under Lou Holtz and worked with Skip Holtz at South Carolina from 1999 to 2001. So uh, veteran coach, Gamecock fans probably remember his name. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he, he's had some some of the typical, you know, freshman struggles. Um, they're not going to have, you know, in my opinion, the offensive front or the talent at running back that Tennessee brought. They're not going to have the the quarterback and skill position plays, certainly, that Florida brought. So a better opportunity, you know, for South Carolina to, to come out and have a better defensive performance. And then offensively, you know, that Derek Mason does a good job with their defense. He can cause you some issues. One thing that we saw, the, the thing that's – at the forefront of my mind when I'm thinking about this game is, yeah, I mean, South Carolina is going to have to move the ball and put up points and be efficient, be good on third down. But above all, they've got to avoid going down over to Nashville and, and you know, turning the ball over a bunch. That's what we saw at A&M. That's why that game was so close. You know, A&M struggled putting the ball on the ground some. And uh, gave Vanderbilt, you know, I think one of their touchdowns came off of an A&M fumble where they had a very short field and they were able to go put the ball in the end zone. So, that for South Carolina is what they're going to have to avoid. If they can play a clean game, you know, you've, you've got to like their chances. Yeah, man. And I think, um, by the way, we got to get to this first. We are brought to you by affordable medical USA.com home of the game day chair. And Vandy is not letting anybody, um, into the game this week, which actually puts our, our friend Kirk Hollandworth's, uh, streak in jeopardy. Hopefully, Muschamp is able to sneak uh, him and Chris Fulmer into I, – I, he said that like he was half kidding, but I think he was dead serious about sneaking <laughs> those two in the game. Yeah. So, hopefully that can happen. But, Chris, if um, – basically, if you're not going to the game, which nobody is, either A, go down to my friends at Market on Main and watch the game on their massive big screen, uh, 23-foot LED, brunch and football, or if you're watching the game at home, Check out the game day chair from affordablemedicalusa.com. 
You should definitely do that. So if you go to affordablemedicalusa.com, they've got a little search bar. Type in the Maxi Comfort Cloud with Twilight. Now, what is cloud? What is Twilight Cloud? Probably a good description of what it's like to sit in this chair, man. Power pillow, lumbar support. Twilight technology is sort of the lay flat, the zero gravity position. Comes with a little clicker remote, puts you in a variety of positions. Big, comfortable, roomy chair. You should really make an investment in it. Really enhance your game day experience. Netflix, anything you got going on, check out the game day chair. Or you can give them a call at 803-926-1493. And we appreciate their support and help them make this show a daily show for the Gamecock fans out there. So make sure that you support affordable medical equipment. Yes, please do. So, Chris, uh, you know, you were talking about the offensive scheme here a little bit and how – and, but man, both of these guys – um, for Vanderbilt offense corner and defense corner DC is Ted Roof. Have a, I mean, talk about being veterans. I yeah. mean, it, it's fun, dude. It's funny how, especially in the SEC, these coaches see each other over the years like so many times, you know, and you know they know each other, and you know they know sort of what the thought process is from a scheme standpoint. So. Lots of familiarity here, I think. And Vanderbilt, it's kind of it, – I think it's much more pro style. Now, Muschamp pointed out it is multiple. But I think, Chris, I think pretty much everybody that's pro style these days is kind of multiple. You know, like even South Carolina is more pro style than most, but they're still running RPOs. They're still spread out. Um, so that – to me, when when he says that, that's, that's what I think of is it's – very similar to South Carolina. You're going to have a lot of two tight end sets, though. That's something they've they've done quite a bit of. Um, Muschamp mentioned the kid um, Ben uh, Bresham or Bresham. I, I don't know how you say his name. Sorry, guy, but he uh, he's been very good for them. So that, that's a key matchup, I, I think, for South Carolina if you want to talk about matchups. But you know, if if, if we're going to see a lot of two tight ends from this offense, I think this is much more of a Brad Johnson in the game, you know, Damani Staley, obviously Ernest Jones there in the middle. The linebackers are going to have to have a good day for South Carolina because I think you're going to see it'll be a much different defensive approach for South Carolina than it is against a Florida team, Florida team that absolutely majors in the spread there. I mean, if I bet if you went back and counted, how many times was Florida not spread out? You know, like pretty much even short yardage, they're spread out. Vanderbilt is going to be much more, a little bit slower pace, more two tight ends, maybe even some two back, and it'll just be a much different type game, which means physicality and playing well in the box will be a huge key for South Carolina. Yeah, definitely. I mean, box play is going to be a key in this game. Can South Carolina be consistent, you know, fitting the run? Can they affect seals? Can they get them into – obvious passing situations and go try to wreak some havoc. Can they tackle well in space? You know, Vandy's going to deploy some, you know, some shifts and some motions and things like that to try to get you off kilter. And so, you know, just playing with discipline, you know, in a game like this and playing with physicality is going to be really important. You know, it's important in every game, but like you, you look at Florida and with, with a team like Florida, you worry a little bit more about, okay, can you pressure Kyle Trask? And South Carolina did at times. You know, they forced a couple of turnovers out of Kyle Trask. 
Um, and then you look at, can, can you deal with their skill guys in space? And the answer to that in some cases, in some alarming, glaring cases for South Carolina was no. And so you don't worry about the, I'm not saying it's not a concern because until further notice, South Carolina's got to go play a complete game defensively, but you don't, you don't look at the one-on-one matchups that Tennessee and especially Florida presented offensively and worry about that quite as much. What you do worry about is playing sound, dealing with eye candy, you know, making sure you're playing physical in the box and and trying to go affect the quarterback. That's the things that you got to worry about more. If you can do those, you're you're probably going to have a better chance of success in this game. Yeah, man. So I think, again, a lot of times it comes down to little things, and that's something the the players have talked about this week. The little things, those five to ten plays that can be the difference in winning and losing. That that'll be a key again this week because I think when you even against Vanderbilt, which is frankly probably like the the bottom feeder in the uh, you know in this league. They're, they're going to find ways to hang around against other SEC teams because I think the distance between – and I even had somebody who's um, pretty tied in sort of looking back over the Florida and Tennessee games. They said, look, the the margin between the two teams for in both of those situations talent-wise was maybe not as big as, as they expected. Well, I think the margin between South Carolina and Vanderbilt probably not as big as we maybe think – Going, you know, going the opposite way. I think South Carolina is easily the more talented team, but how, you know, how big is that margin? So, ultimately, for ten weeks, for ten games, you're going to have these grinded out, close football games where a handful of plays end up determining the winner. So, I think you just have to, if you're a fan, you just have to get ready for that, right? Like, get prepared for that being the case. Another side of this, let, let's go to the other side. South Carolina offensively against Vanderbilt defensively. And obviously, we know those guys are going to do a really good job. Derek Mason, defensive background, really successful on that side of the football, sort of making his way up, uh, you know, as a coach climbing the ladder. And then Ted Roof, who is, again, a coordinator that South Carolina, Will Muschamp, Mike Bobo, all these guys are very, very familiar with him. He was App State's defensive coordinator last year. And I actually have a, a clip here from Will Muschamp talking about Ted Roof on Tuesday. So here's a real quick uh, thoughts from Muschamp on this matchup. Oh, they, they, they had some really good players. They had a good scheme. Uh, they, they played a lot of three down and moved a lot against us. We had a hard time in the run game of, of creating anything in the run game. Uh, with some some issues there as far as those things are concerned. We gave up a touchdown uh, as far as a pick six was concerned. Uh, they were right before half. Uh, but, again, uh, Ted's a really good coach. He's got a lot of experience. He, he has faced Coach Bobo multiple times when he was at Georgia Tech. Um, uh, I, I don't know how many years, but I know, Colin, it was quite a few years uh, that they faced each other. Um, and then you kind of just always go back and look at some different – he also faced Coach Bobo when he was at Auburn. And uh, Ted was with uh, Tracy Rocker at Auburn as well uh, on that same staff that won a national championship. But Ted's a really good football coach, a lot of experience. Um, and and uh, Derek, you know, Coach Mason's background is defense as well. So they'll, they'll, they'll do a good job. So, uh, Chris, what, what should maybe your what, – what do you remember about Ted Roof as a defense coordinator? Does anything stand out about his teams necessarily? I, I think 
just last year, man, I remember that that App State team, those guys compete, dude, and, and they really – I think you look at how even some SEC teams for a portion of last year struggled against South Carolina's pin and pull scheme, right, in the running game. And App State probably played it as well as anybody, and I, I think did a great job of forcing some negative plays, some tackles for loss, and really put South Carolina – sort of off schedule if you look at down and distance throughout that game so I got a I have a ton of respect for Ted Roof and the job this guy not not just last year but it seems like his teams are going to be well coached they're going to play hard they're going to do all the things you sort of look for from successful defensive programs yeah he's got a lot of experience and so there's a lot of things that he's seen a lot of different types of offenses and he's faced Mike Bobo, so we go back again to that familiarity. You know that we we always talk about that chess match. And last week we talked about that, even though Grantham and Bobo had not coached against each other, they served on the same staff, so they're very familiar with each other and some of the tendencies and how they think. And so, uh, Roof and Bobo have faced each other. Both of those guys have seen a lot. You know whether it's from each other or from different people. And I, yeah, I thought so. Roof last year. I mean, and he he's had during his career, again, he's seen a lot. And he's had some, you know, statistically, there have been some up and down things. But you also got to look at the situation and the personnel at each of those places. All I know is the most recent time that South Carolina faced him was last year and certainly did a good job, like you said, at App State, like Muschamp said, of doing some things that caused South Carolina a lot of problems that they frankly didn't really adjust to. And this was at season's end when nothing was going right offensively for South Carolina, but um, they, they just couldn't get anything going. I do think if you look at this matchup, you got Colin Hill with an experienced quarterback. You know, the team's healthier than certainly they were at that point last year. This is going to be is a different team. So, you know, schematically, Ted Roof's not going to do the same things that he did at Appalachian State, and it's going to be a different type of attack for both teams. But Mike Bobo, I'm sure, has studied everything these guys have done each other against each other. He studied what Ted Roof did last year against a different scheme. And so a lot of things to consider, but I, I I tend to think that Mike Bobo will have, you know, some more answers, you know, for what Vanderbilt's going to try to do defensively. Whether or not it translates into execution and points, you know, we'll have to see. It's a question that will get answered on Saturday. Yeah, and, and big picture-wise, man, can Bobo – and he's – I mean, I hate to say it this way, but he he's almost going to have to be a miracle worker. Can he manufacture some ways to create some more explosive plays? Because I think, I mean, we, we've all seen what's happened with the wide receivers not named Shy Smith. Now, does that involve the freshmen, like the young guys getting more run and then sort of getting more comfortable as the year goes on? Is that, you know, is that an Xavier Leggett stepping up and sort of getting better as the year goes on? I don't know how much you can do schematically because sometimes it's just one versus one, right? It's like that guy versus that guy, your guy versus their guy. But I think Bobo has done some really nice things to scheme up getting Shy Smith open, you know, did some motions, did some things where, I mean, the, the completion to Rico Powers where Luke Doty has one snap. Luke Doty being, you know, what he executed on that drive is what freed up Rico Powers to be open on uh, Powers' second career catch, I think, against Florida. You see the quick uh, 
little very short, quick out, almost like a flat route, but it was an out route to uh, Shy Smith on a third down where uh, Josh Van immediately blocks um, blocks the defender to sort of spring Shy loose. Some of the things they've done underneath, while the screen game has not been good so far, the running backs have been highly involved in some short passes that were sort of set up like screens where guys are blocking or guys are getting ready to block as soon as the receiver or you know excuse me as soon as the running back catches the ball. So they've manufactured some things to try and get space, I think. Now can you manufacture some plays down the field and get guys open and then can they you know you, you had this sort of little post down the middle that Leggett couldn't haul in. You had the play to Josh Van down the sideline where they sort of um put the ball in the split in the space, they split the corner in the safety. That ball may I mean, did it get tipped, I guess, a little bit, or either the defender sort of flashed in front of, you know, Van's eyes. But those are plays that SEC receivers can make. So there's only so much you can do, but can they manufacture and this is more more than just this week as the year goes on, can they find a way to manufacture? Because if you look statistically, it bears out, man. They just are not able to complete passes down the field at, at this point. And some of that, <clears throat> you know, it's just it's not open. Some of that I'm sure is they feel like they can't call it as much. And some of that is it's there, and it, it's just not being completed. And frankly, it really hasn't been on the quarterback. Yeah, so I, I've and I've seen that criticism of Colin Hill and and even Bobo, but really of Hill in terms of pushing the ball down the field more. What we know through two games, which it is a limited sample size, but through two games, if we would have seen more balls down the field, that would probably equate to more incompletions. You know, so I mean, we've seen. I think if I, correct me if I'm wrong, Wes. I think we've seen one fifty-fifty ball won by Xavier Leggett um, in the Tennessee game, right? Other than that, that's it. That's it. Been, I think there's, I think Chris, there's eight, there's eight balls down the field. Yeah. I think there's eight down the field, and there's one completion on them. Right, and so now I do remember in the Tennessee game they threw one, you know, a little type of a go route to Rico Powers, and it was overthrown, you know. But this offense, look, Mike Bobo walked into this situation again. I'll, I'll say it again. He didn't recruit these receivers. He didn't recruit anybody. He brought Colin Hill, um, who's done, in my view, a good job of operating within the parameters of the offense. And so this team's gone out. They've scored enough points in most games to win. You know, against Florida, no. But defensively, there are obviously some huge issues there. They've done some good things. They've squeezed out. They've certainly squeezed out more production than I anticipated. i got to say that. Um, And so when you look at what this offense can do right now, the, it, it's not throw the ball down the field because then you're going to have more three and outs. You're going to have more incompletions. You may have more interceptions, and that's not something this offense can sustain. But you're exactly right in that it's a little bit rock and hard place because they do need to eventually develop that. Vanderbilt's been susceptible to some bigger plays. A lot of it's been catch and run type stuff. But if you look at LSU and A&M, they gave up some explosives in the pass game and in the run game. Um, and – you know, South Carolina isn't going to be able – now, maybe they can. Maybe we're sitting here saying they can't have fi- continually find offensive success without finding downfield threats. Maybe they can. 
but you don't like their odds as much. It's certainly something that they need to do. And so part of that's going to be scheme, but a big part of it is, is going to be finding some guys that can consistently do it. And when they have the opportunity to make the play. Yep. And you know, only time will tell how that can sort of play out, but definitely I think through two games to me, that's certainly the biggest concern on offense, maybe the biggest concern on the whole team. Um, there's some other things sort of on the offensive side that I, I think maybe you are on the defensive side that you could say are in the same level of concern, I, I think, but certainly it, it's up there, man. And we'll see some, some of that can only be maybe fixed with recruiting or, or guys just getting more comfortable and, and getting playing time and sort of living through it. You know, Rico powers, I think they're still pretty high on him as a guy that's going to help them, but how quickly, does it sort of come together for, for Rico? And in that same sort of uh, area, let's talk a little recruiting here, Chris. I've got a recruit of the week, um, but also I think worth talking about Keon Coleman and uh, a guy that I don't know if this was necessarily expected. I got a feeling maybe, you know, maybe Kansas had, had a feeling it was coming, but a kid that, by all indications, and by the way, he's the wide receiver, had South Carolina in the final three, committed to Kansas. I would say a little – it was more – you heard more about basketball being a big reason for that and the chance to play both sports. But obviously, football a big part of that as well. Kansas not doing very well. South Carolina has, from everything we've heard, remained in touch with him, has kept pushing for him, and still, Chris, a very big priority for South Carolina. So – We'll see if they can hang in there and really become a, a major factor for this kid because he's someone who could probably help this team right off the bat next year. Yes, so someone that South Carolina actually offered him before Joe Cox and Mike Bobo got on staff, but then once those guys joined up, Cox sort of stuck, took over his uh, recruitment and uh, has been building, you know, built a really good relationship with him. Final three was – Kansas, Oklahoma, South Carolina. And so a lot of people may say, well, what, you know, Kansas, what in the world? They have had some success pulling some guys out of Louisiana, but really there was a huge hoops component to this. Keon's a pretty good basketball player. He's really enamored by Kansas basketball. And so from a football standpoint, um, you know, he feels like he rushed into the decision. And so South Carolina is certainly expected um, to have a really good shot here. You know, space is tight, man, in, in the 2021 class overall but there's still several needs that are out there. And when you look at the roster, I mean, the, one of the biggest needs that you're going to see, probably the biggest is some, some dudes who can walk in and potentially play early at receiver. And so Coleman's a guy who's, you know, he's big, he's long, he's athletic. He's got a lot of upside, you know, in athleticism. And so, um, and, and he, he could probably walk in and make some plays for you now. So between him and a guy like Rodarius Thomas, who profiled on the last show, Wes, out of Alabama, a couple guys that, um, you know, could come in and give you a little bit of a boost, and that's certainly what they need. Yeah, and I, I think Carolina in, in really good position with Rodarius Thomas. We'll see if they can sort of make a move here. I mean, I think they're they're obviously in it with, uh, with Coleman, and I think he's been, <clears throat> excuse me, responsive. But we'll see. I mean, it's, it's one thing to be in it. It's another to go land the guy, right? So we'll see if they can do that, but he would be – as far as – and, yeah, the numbers are getting tight. But, man, I, I think you'll look. I mean, everybody sees it. The fans see it. 
I mean, I'm sure the current players see it. If there's a receiver out there, I don't care what the numbers have to be. If there is a receiver out there who can help you in the year 2021, mm-hmm. you, you got to go get him. And I, I think you, let's be honest, I think you got to maybe look into the grad transfer market potentially when that time comes, you know, shooting forward to, to next spring or, or so this coming off season. You, you got to see what's out there. But all right, Chris, my recruit of the week this week. Do you know which way I'm going with this one? Mm, I don't. I'm I'm really uh, in the dark. I'm clueless. All right, I'm going with South Carolina running back commit Caleb McDowell from Lee ah, County. Good pick. Yeah, Chris has uh, every Monday a Gamecock commitments in action feature on GamecockCentral.com. You can go check that out. And so I'm stilling his work right now. 120 yards on eight carries with four touchdowns. And I would say, Chris, a guy that sort of fit – I think you look run, – running back not near the biggest concern on this team right now. Certainly when you look at what's coming back next year in a Marshawn Lloyd and adding him in, Kevin Harris, I think – I got to say, has been really good, frankly, better than I gave him credit for. Um, So running back in a good place. But I think you look, this thing we're talking about right now, the fact they need more explosive plays, they need more guys who can make people miss, they need more speed, I think, on on this roster. And you look at McDowell, and from what I've heard from around there, how he's looked to start the year, He's had a really strong start of the year. He obviously had a big game this past week. And if I can get it to pull up, I'm going to let y'all watch some of his highlights because he had a uh, a really big day in very short work. His team won, what was it, Chris, like 60 to nothing or something? 60 to – Yeah, they I mean, had a couple games where they, they were in the 60s, I believe. So I, I don't even have that one in front of me. But he, he, played, he played the first half. And then, uh, and then took a seat. So he was he was pretty efficient with his work on the day with what he did. They won sixty two to six. There you go. And again, he he had four touchdowns on eight carries. So that's a uh, that's about as efficient of a day as you're going to have. But you're going to see here, man. I mean, the explosiveness ability. I mean, I don't know how he made anything out of this run, and. Is he going to score on this play? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Oh, I mean, y'all. Right. Or did he? Did they mark him out or not? I couldn't tell. Didn't tell him that. But, I mean, you you see it. I mean, y'all see it. It's, I mean, it's crazy. The kid's quick, obviously runs hard, and has some explosiveness to him. And I, I think Carolina, you look at the future of the running back position, I think they're in good shape there with what they have on campus. Deshaun Fenwick has been, I think, good as well and maybe outplayed what I expected from him too. So you add this guy into the mix, maybe someone that can help in the return game as well. And he is a very deserving Chris Recruit of the Week for this week with four scores and eight carries. Yeah, that Lee County program that he plays for, uh, you know, same school Jamie Robinson uh, came from, played his senior year and is a – you know, really good program in terms of producing talent. So like uh, Travis Edwards on YouTube said, 600-pound squatter. So uh, 
We'll have to see if that is a high school or a college squat, if you know what I mean. But there is no doubt that if you can put that much on a bar in some form or fashion and get it up, um, then you've got some lower body power. You, you see how he's built. He's not a super tall guy. You know, he almost looks a little bit more like a, a scat back size, you know, with what he is. But his lower body is really well built. He's got good balance. He's got good leg drive and plays bigger than his size. And so I think he's a guy that is really interesting in terms of how he could be utilized in the offense. Yep. We, we got we got anybody on here that can put 600 pounds on a bar and put it. I'm not even saying squat it. Like, I mean, 600, just holding up 600 pounds, that's, that's freakish stuff. I mean, there, there may be, there may be somebody on here who can do it, but that's, that's crazy, man. And and some guy, man, some guys are just built different. Like they can, I mean, to carry on Joyner, not a big dude, but he has a freakish squat. So, but I'd love to see if there's anybody who, who would even claim they can put 600 pounds in their back. Cause that, that's crazy. Yeah, uh, very, very impressive, and a kid that I, I think will help South Carolina right off the bat next week. All right, so any final questions for everybody? Tomorrow we're going to have Chris Lee, VandySports.com. And, Chris, what what else? You, you got anything else on your, uh, on your mind today, man? No, I don't think so, man. Looking forward to visiting with Chris tomorrow because um... – you know, he, he's as plugged in, he's more plugged in than anybody I've seen at Vanderbilt. So he's going to have his pulse on the, on the program, finger on the pulse. That's the second day in the row I messed up that saying. So I'm going to go ahead and retire that one. Um, but, uh, he's got his finger on the pulse of the program there. He'll be able to talk personnel and scheme and what to expect in this game. So I think, uh, we'll, we'll learn more about Vanderbilt and the matchups tomorrow. And, and so will the listeners. So looking forward to that. You know, everybody just make sure you're checking out all our coverage on GamecockCentral.com. Tons of content, even stuff that we're not going to get to on this show. Join us on the site. We'd love to have you on the Insiders Forum where we can interact even more. Appreciate everybody listening and watching. Yep. all right, I'm, I'm going to hit on a couple of these questions real quick here, Chris. We had one earlier, I think, about Jaheim Bell and if he was back. I haven't heard much there. Now, obviously, Eric Shaw, somebody else asked about him. He's back. He's practicing. He's 100%. He's made some plays in practice from what I've heard. He got out there. I can't remember from the snap count, Chris. One or two plays. I know I saw him out there at least one play. And, again, he was one of my picks to start the year as being a freshman to watch who will see his playing time go up as the year progresses. So I think that's a good a good call um, by our listener there on, on Eric Shaw. Keep an eye on him. Moving forward, let's see. Fred Cooper, is there a concern about linebacker depth? I would say at this point, yes. Um, you certainly saw – I don't know about y'all, but when Ernest Jones – and he ended up being fine. But when he came up with his shoulder just sort of hanging there, yeah, I, I think a lot – at least myself, I, my immediate thought was dislocation and – how how long might he be out with that? Now, may, you know, maybe it was more of like a stinger or whatever. I'm I'm not trying to speculate, but the fact he was back in the game, obviously, Ernest Jones is like the guy at linebacker they cannot afford to lose. They've already lost Shrai uh, Green there, Jamar Brown. They're hoping to get him back. Not really, I guess, a true linebacker anymore right now, but still plays in the box uh, within the scheme a lot. So 
Yeah, I think absolutely linebacker depth is a concern right now, especially if somebody else gets banged up, I think is the big thing there. If everybody else stays healthy, I think they're fine. If not, then yes, it'd be a big concern. Had a question about Jalen Brooks, still nothing there. I actually asked somebody about, I don't know, two, two and a half hours ago if there was anything new there. Nothing from what I heard, still just waiting which obviously is not what anybody wants to hear, Chris. And he's someone, all the things we just talked about earlier in the show, this guy could help South Carolina's offense. And he can help with some of the issues that they have, I think, at wide receiver. Uh, let's see. Do you think you will see more Doty or Joyner this week? I, I think you could. I don't know necessarily that you will. I know that's a cop-out answer. I, I I think personally you'll see more Doty with Joyner. It was interesting, Chris. I think some people have sort of lumped the two of them together. Joyner played a ton in week one. It seemed like Van, Josh Van, took Joyner snaps in week two. Um, and so that, that, was, that was interesting. And it seems like those two guys sort of are playing the same receiver spot. Leggett and Rico Powers are sort of set, playing the same receiver spot. Um, do you, I mean, I guess it's kind of a guess at this point. Do, do you think we'll see more? We'll see some of Doty this week, Chris? That's possible. You know, I, I think if South Carolina, and I don't, nobody's going to like this answer, I think if they can get a lead, you know, that's not something they've had in these games in terms of later in the game get a lead. I mean, obviously, you just want to win the game, but I, I think certainly then we'd see more of them. Will we see him more in, in those critical, crucial situations? I don't know. It's really hard to predict. They've, they've got stuff in there for him, you know, but um, so far that has not happened. You know, Joyner, again, we've seen Joyner some. It's not like he's been riding the pine. You know, first week he played a lot, not as much second week, um, but he's got to also, you know, make more of an impact when he's out there as well. Doty's in a, in a different camp, as you said, because he, you know, got the one snap against Florida, and that's really – not enough of a sample size to even see. And so does have an interesting skill set. I mean, I'm intrigued to see if he, if he will get in the ball game. Um, yeah. Joiner has he touched the ball so far as a question? Don't no. think so. Don't think he's been yeah. targeted. He's yeah. been targeted. Yeah. No catch twice, but yeah. uh, he has not touched the ball. So we'll see how that goes. Um, you never know how the game will play out. Right. So, All right, for Chris, I'm Wes. Appreciate everybody, as always, joining in. Tomorrow, we'll get you the Vanderbilt perspective. Chris Lee is going to bring some great insight on the Commodores, and we will see you all then. Thanks again. Uh, See you tomorrow. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.